1: A first-round NHL draft pick in 1996 changed the course of Chris Phillips' life forever. The young stay-at-home defenseman quickly made a name for himself here in Ottawa, and the city definitely embraced him with open arms. It's also where he met his wife, Erin. And 20 years later, and recently retired from the game, Chris and Erin continue to make an impact here in the city, as well with their three kids, Ben and Zoe and Naomi. It is awesome to have them joining us here today. So, welcome to episode five of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. It is brought to you by Extension Marketing. If you're looking for more information, you can check out extensionmarketing.com. Chris, Erin, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having us. <laughs>
1: Hello. We're we're kind of laughing because I said earlier, like, who would have thought we would be in this scenario? I n- I never quite saw it us sitting kind of side to side and face to face like this because oftentimes I think it was twenty some years ago that I actually met interviewing you as a sports anchor. It's, yeah, it's been a nice journey.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, in some respects, it seems like it was yesterday, and uh, when you start talking and uh, thinking about it, it was uh, a long time ago, but. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, funny how, uh, you know, things happen and, uh, you know, being a professional hockey player, uh, certainly didn't think uh, that I would still be in the same place that I started 20 years ago and, uh, you know, here I am when I'm done and uh, certainly uh, uh, a life for now, not, uh, you know, not not going anywhere. Ottawa's home and uh, just an amazing place to to call home and um, couldn't have been uh, luckier to be. Drafted by Ottawa, and 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 that being the place that uh, I end up calling home, just uh, you know, so great to uh, raise a family and uh, and live, and um, certainly uh, very blessed in that way.
1: You also happened to meet a, a young woman at the time who really had Ottawa as home. I mean, you're from Manitic, but really, I think you were even as a as a young woman, the most well-connected girl <laughs> in the city, having kind of experienced so many different aspects of, of this life. Was it nice to be able to be at home and then meet Chris and really be able to share that life, to be able to introduce him to Ottawa in a very different way than I think other players would have experienced this city?
2: Oh, of, of course. You know, we look back at, we, we were talking actually about it yesterday, looking back at our career, who, who would have thought we would have still been here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we both feel like we're blessed. We thought we'd live in all these cities and experience everything and, You know, there's there's parts of that that are great, but uh, I really think we're lucky to still be here and have the connections we have and be able to do the things we've done um, on the ice and off the ice in the charity world
1: and have our kids involved. And uh, really, it was uh, quite the journey. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen very often when you look at the statistics of players who actually end up playing their entire career in one city. What makes it so unique, and why was your situation just so different that— you had the ability to stay where most players kind of find themselves moving every couple of years.
0: Well, I, I mean, I'd like to say that it was just my choice, uh, to, to, be here the entire time, but that's not the reality. Um, I, I know there was times in my career that, um, you know, we went through and, and watched the, uh, the trade deadline yesterday. Um, if, if they would have had this, uh, you know, if trade center spectacle, um, back then, um, you know, I would have, my name would have been on the trade bait, uh, for sure. Uh, I know it was, it was talked about. Um, and, and so the team also made a decision, um, you know, not to move me each and every time that, uh, that was a possibility. So it went both ways. Um, you know, and, and just lucky that it all worked out, you know, uh, like you said, the, I mean, the percentages are, are pretty low and, and why and how that happened, I think was a, you know, a, responsibility of of everybody involved not just us.
1: I think when the realization was that you guys were really truly here at the foundation here in the city, there were a lot of charities, there, was a, there were a lot of people <laughs> celebrating the fact that you were staying and that you would continue to be involved. How important was it, especially early on, you know, when you're a young hockey wife and you're kind of getting involved, that you really establish yourself with a number of charities and put really your heart and soul behind them? It wasn't just by name, but it was really about being involved and being hands on with some of the, some of the charities.
2: Well, I think we really got lucky with Roy Malakar was the president at the time, and he introduced us to a charity called Candlelighters. We got to meet so many amazing kids, and that sort of getting involved and being hands-on with those kids and seeing the difference that we could make in their lives was sort of a, a great intro. It made us really ponder what we wanted to be part of, what charities really mattered
1: to us, and we dove right in. For people who aren't familiar with candlelighters, because I remember even talking to you, it was about kind of, you know, parents visiting their kids that are going through cancer treatments and having the ability to pay for parking or have the ability to have computers so that kids could continue with school. It, it was almost basic needs that meant so much to these families.
2: Yes, it was It was started by Jocelyn Lamont. Um, unfortunately, she lost a son um, to cancer. And so she created a charity to sort of fill the gaps of where she felt um, the system sort of didn't help her out or the, the voids where she could make a difference. So things like computers, parking, um, paying for medicine at the time, we now have hundred percent coverage just as January, but back then we didn't, um, we bought fridges for people, mattresses to, you know, it, it, the list goes on and on. Yeah. But uh, sibling
0: programs for the yeah, brothers support. and sisters, um, really, really A to Z, um, minus the actual care with the, with the hospital, um, everything that goes on behind the scenes. And it was—it's an awesome organization.
1: You were involved with this organization early on, and then as you added your own children to the mix, did it change your perception of, of health and having healthy kids and realizing, you know, how it can switch and how that can flip a switch overnight from being healthy to sick?
0: Uh, I, no doubt, um, you know, if you feel like it's a responsibility early on, just the position that we're in, playing in the NHL, being. Uh, recognizable people um, in the city, um, you know, to to give back. Um, Once you, as Aaron said, once you get to actually meet the families and the kids um, and then have kids of our own to, you know, see how, um, you know, uh, lucky we are that that they're healthy, Um, you know, knock on wood uh, so far. I mean, you know, anything could happen, but uh, uh, just... You know just not taking it for granted uh you know seeing what's what can happen and 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 honestly getting the, the you know the strength from from those kids more than anything um you know they're some of them are fighting for their lives and and the, you know they got huge smiles on their faces and they're cheering everybody else up and you know especially playing hockey for myself and you know you can lose a game or lose a big game and you know you think it's you know, the end of the world, and then, then you go to a place like that and, and see these kids and, you know, it really puts everything in perspective. So, um, you know, selfishly, it, you know, it's, it's helpful to, to see that and, and realize really what's, you know, important in our own lives.
1: Mm-hmm. And you were able to see that because oftentimes when he's on the road, you know, he is playing those games and feeling that way, and yet you're at home kind of going, this is what happened, this is what we were able to do this week, or, you know, these are the visits we were able to do.
2: Yeah, and you know, well, we were on Snowsuit Fund with you and, uh, you know, trying to get our kids involved. We made our, you know, had our kids down at the Snowsuit Fund, handing out snowsuits, and we brought their hockey teams down to do that. And so a big part of our charity world was letting our kids see what we what we were doing, what mm-hmm. we were capable to do. but seeing other people's struggles. We're blessed in life, and we really wanted our kids to be part of that.
1: Okay, let's talk about kids, but let's talk about going back to your own kids, and you talk about struggles. It wasn't kind of rainbows and fairy tales and unicorns all the time. I mean, let's go back, uh, Chris, to you growing up in Fort McMurray. What was growing up like? I mean, did you feel the pressure early on that that you needed to make something as, a, as an athlete and, and make it to the NHL, or what was the support like or the drive like for you as a kid?
0: Um. The support was always there. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny because I think other people would talk to my parents or, or see my parents and um, think that they pushed me a lot. Um, I never felt that uh, growing up. Um, it was it was always a, a drive within to to want to be better to to practice. Um, it was always a dream to make it to the NHL for a long time. It was a dream to play in the major leagues. Um, at, yeah, you, at the you same were doing time, hockey
1: and baseball. Yeah, I yeah. played,
0: I played both up until I was about 15 and, um, you know, in the summer months, you know, I wanted to be a baseball player, not a hockey player. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, life was great. I mean, I, I got to do, you know, those were the two loves of my life. I got to do them year round and, and go back and forth. Um, You know, I was lucky that I had that support from my parents, uh, you know, to, you know, make that commitment, the time commitment to get me there, the financial commitment, which wasn't easy to um, keep me in them. Um, You know, but, you know, all the time growing up was, uh, you know, have fun and work hard uh, were the two biggest lessons.
1: You know, I think parents take a lot of responsibility when you talk about the the support that the parents need to offer in terms of getting you driving you being there the financial aspect um people feel pressure you know it's expensive to be able to do did you ever kind of feel that like you knew the sacrifices that your parents were making to be able to give you this opportunity
0: yeah i think uh in some ways unfortunately um you're, you're kind of blinded by that as a kid and and they shield that from you as a kid um you know i i I appreciate it more um more than anything now that i have we have our own kids and and seeing how much money it costs to uh, do everything that um you know growing up and all my buddies were doing it and there was nobody you know that i know of that couldn't do it because they couldn't afford to do it um so it was just you know everybody did it and i guess he kind of took it for granted like you know, you, they signed you up for hockey and you went and played and you went on these road trips. But, um, you know, at the, at the same time, we were, you know, we were doing bottle drives every weekend and different fundraisers, working in casinos and bingos, Bingo. um, you know, so that, that certainly we saw that offset and maybe thinking that that's where, you know, was paying for most of it. Who knows? Uh, like I said, you're kind of blinded to that as a kid, but, um, you know, as, a, as an adult and, and parent now, it was a huge commitment.
1: You made the commitment to, uh, I'm going to probably list maybe eight to ten different sports, I mean, Chris had, <laughs> baseball and hockey. Uh, same Aaron, as her job. <laughs> <laughs> She's a master of all trades, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, you, growing up, really um, embraced so many different sports. It was almost like you wanted to have a taste of everything that part of your personality, or really you just, you you had that ability to try so many things? Um, I think it's part of my personality, as we said, maybe jobs as well, but
2: uh, I think my parents at a really young age, they were triathletes. Um, We spent our weekends volunteering, handing out water. Um, I think what I got from my parents was a love of outdoor sports. Um, We were always, our weekends were up in the Gatineaus, cross-country skiing. In the or if we were at our place at Tromlaw, we were on the ski hill, cross-country, snowshoeing, hiking. And in the summers, I was competing outdoors and swim meets. Um, so I think my love was really outdoor sports, which I think living in Canada, it's pretty, it gives you a, a love for our climate. You, you, I changed a lot seasonally because I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's sort of what I got from my parents is a love for nature and sports kind of put together.
1: Okay, you have three very active kids, <laughs> yeah. and uh, in a variety of different sports. So, uh, how did you want to implement your own experiences into raising your children to have the ability to love sport, participate in sport? Like, what what was your parenting kind of?
0: Well, <laughs> I, I think them? the I think the biggest thing for us was, uh, you know, to introduce them to different things. Um, you know, much like your, yourself, like. You know, if, if with no introduction, you know, who who knows what they're going to, you know, fall in love with or, or want to continue with and not in, you know, the, the th- thinking of, you know, how are you going to get to the Olympics or how are you going to make it to the NHL? Or, um, you know, the kids were in gymnastics when they were young and it was more about being active and healthy and, uh, you know, lifestyle more than, more than a, a mission to try and get them somewhere or, if, you know, because it was, I mean, I, I wasn't a gymnastics guy growing up, but, you know, I, <laughs> it was, I thought, it built the fundamentals, you know, I, right? For, but exactly. just to, but, you know, it was a, an, an area where we could get our kids out and, and, you know, coordination, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, they were in karate for a little bit and obviously selfishly hoping that, yeah, they would play hockey mm-hmm. and, uh, play baseball and, but. Um, not disappointed in the least if they if they didn't and just found found a love found a love to, to get out and to meet friends and stay out of trouble and be active and healthy. That's at the end of the day, that's our well, our biggest goal.
1: You did. They are in hockey. <laughs> yes,
0: you've had they are. you've had
1: sure. Naomi who uh, was following figure skating for quite some time, and then changed the toe pick for the other blade and and has fallen fallen in love with that sport as well so it's interesting you had them in all of these other sports that they were trying and I know baseball and there was volleyball but you have three right now that you're driving from rink to rink playing hockey yes we are (laughs) (laughs) you you have you have fallen exactly it's it's interesting but what is what are they hoping or what do you see in them when they're out on the ice um you
0: know it's I mean, hockey is so funny, right? They're loving it, but, uh, you know, they're all competitive kids. Uh, Two of them are playing competitive hockey once uh, Naomi's playing house league. Um, But that doesn't change. She's just playing
1: house league. She just started. No, (laughs) no, no. no, She swapped the figure skate. I I mean it in the competitive uh,
0: nature, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, as I was taught uh, and try and pass on, you know, work hard to do your best and enjoy it and have fun um and and you see them you know if they lose a game you know they come out and there's you know it's not always smiles they're uh you know they're not happy when they lose and they are competitive kids um just by nature uh that that we've passed on to them or or they've inherited <laughs> by, by nature i'm, I'm it, not sure by, uh yes. um how, how that all works but that's that's the reality of it. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's fun to see, um, how they, how they deal with it, how they cope with it. And, you know, we've, you know, doing do you a think, lot of, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, okay.
1: Do you think that they feel a pressure knowing, you know, where they come from? I mean, both of their parents are athletic competitive individuals. Like do you sense that they, they're trying to please, do you sense that it's an inner drive? Like you, you know, them, where where is it where's the drive coming from well we're both like
2: um i at a young young age when i would go off to play hockey or soccer the kids would be oh see you later mom we're gonna watch you on tv so we really (laughs) put no pressure we didn't put a lot of emphasis it was dad's job you you know we pushed them to be active we never I mean, my three lines, and I'm pretty hands-on driving them to the rink, try your hardest, listen to your coach, and have fun. Mm-hmm. We say nothing else. We're not preaching on the drive homes. We're pretty laid-back parents because, you know, my parents, actually I think both of our parents were pretty tough and had, you know, expectations of us. But Chris always says if they want it, they need to want it themselves. Mm-hmm. And that sort of resonated in my head. Um, you know, it's absolutely true. So we're pretty – pretty chill on the parental front. I think Ben, he, we'd, we'd ask him once in a while, once he got older, you know, how are you feeling? What's going on? And it was only about a year ago where he'd say, oh, some of the guys are saying stuff on the ice, but I think he has a pretty thick skin growing up in the what world. What
1: do you mean they're saying, saying things on the
0: ice? Uh, he'll get stuff like, yo, know, you're only here because, you know, your dad or, or, you know, you're not just comparing you know him to me being an NHL player. Um, you know guys giving him giving him jobs here and there, but
1: that's a lot to take as a kid. Uh, yeah, I but he
0: him. he handles it well, yeah. and uh, you know he's in hitting now, so he knows how to uh, <laughs> how to get him back, and he has a little bit of that uh, that edge. So that that uh, you know competitiveness that uh, you know helps him out a little bit in that area.
1: I think it fuels him. Few, I it? Think so. do you remember I mean what were the three things that you say to the kids when they get out of the car to go play oh
2: every, we do it for every sport listen, play your hardest listen to your coach and have fun and they,
1: they joke about it now I'm like what am I going to say and they say it back to us and it's just our family thing it, it, but it's it's nice that they know that that's what's going that's what's coming right and that yeah. there isn't that pressure of what that end result is going to be do you do you have a moment or a favorite experience from a coach or a piece of advice or guidance that, that stuck with you, like a, a coach's speech or, or you know, a coach's tip, advice, that will resonate?
0: Um, Should've given me the heads up on this question.
1: <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com.
0: You know, probably the most memorable speech was uh, Roger Nielsen's um, you know during the whole three playoffs um, after Game five sort of put you know he was on his you know last days and he really put um you know everything in perspective he laid it out on the table and you know i'll I'll never forget that one so that that was that's at the top of the list um i think you know sort of the other coaches it's not so much a, a moment in time but just more of their overall uh attitude and i look at at my hockey you know right from a uh Really, right from a young age, but you know, as time went on and, and competitive and you know, junior, the NHL. Um, Any time that you know our team really you know had success, we always had fun coming to the rink. Coaches, they, they made it fun, and and I don't want to call them uh, players, coaches, and it was a country club. Um, we we worked hard. We had hard practices. Um, we got in trouble. We got benched. We got we got all that stuff that you know. If, you would typically not like a coach for um, but um, they they knew when it was you know time to to be serious and be hard and they knew when to to have fun and um, and and make it fun even when you were you know doing things that you didn't want to do it was still fun and I think that's the hardest thing of being a coach and trying to hover that line of being a player's coach and a a hard-ass, but that's when we had our most success.
1: Are you trying to do that too? I mean, occasionally you'll step in and do some coaching uh, with with the kids. Would that be the message that you want to have when you're able to step out on the ice with them?
0: I would would love to be able to um, coach like that. Um, I'm helping coach um, Ben and Zoe. Uh, And in saying that, it's not easy. You know, again, you're in competitive hockey. You're trying to teach all these lessons and, and, um, you know, and and more so I find like you're, you know, not yelling and screaming but being hard on them and, uh, you know, and and trying to um, bring that fun in. I guess that's where practice is. You try and, you know, make make it fun. But when, you know, at that age when it's just teach, 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 you know, I find, uh, you know, I guess more so with the boys, it's you're a little bit harder on them than, than with the girls. They're way better listeners. Um, that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was a hockey player. I wasn't a coach and trying to learn, uh, all, you know, all those tendencies and figure out personalities is a, you know, whole nother game.
1: Do you respect the art of a, being a good coach? Oh, having been on both sides? Yeah,
0: hundred percent, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm.
1: when you're you're growing up being a a professional athlete and then you have these young children that come into play and so you have the responsibility at home Aaron Uh, you're feeding you're nourishing you're trying to take care of him as a professional athlete and raise these young children who are as showing signs of being athletic and competitive how did you then kind of organize your kitchen and you know, what you wanted them to be consuming, especially with your background in nutrition, and then becoming a nutritionist over over the years. How did that play a factor in things?
2: Well, I, I well, you know, I wrote a cookbook, um, ended up being called The Ultimate Cookbook for Hockey Families. But the reason why I wrote that, and truly I called Corey Keeley, who wrote it with me, and uh, I, I remember struggling in the kitchen. I remember thinking, how do I have food ready for Chris before a game, after a game, the kids are all coming home from different times of different sports, and how do I make this work? And myself as a nutritionist, if if I was struggling, then I kind of felt every other family out there is too. So our whole background and basis of that book was how to have easy, healthy food that's ready on a you know, flash. Whenever you needed it, it was in the kitchen, it was in the fridge, it was on a crock pot. And I found working with Corey, and she's I mean, such a great recipe writer, but I learned really how to use a crockpot. I at least used to be my nemesis. I'd see it in the kitchen and think, everyone loves these things, but it stresses me out. And you know, learning how it's really not that hard. And I kind of overthought,
1: I think, the whole process of it. But uh, just having food ready. So it wasn't just in preparing it for them and having it ready, but as to why? Has, is to explaining and for the kids to understand at an early age why they needed this and why they weren't getting that. Yes,
2: um, you do see in ranks all the time parents trying to reward their their kids' athleticism with a slushy after the game. And honest to God, that drives me crazy. Mm. You should, I think the reward is able to play. They're they're blessed to be able to play these sports, and rewarding them with that is sort of contradictory to me as the whole foundation of being healthy. Um, a big thing for us is having the kids involved, and the more we had them in the kitchen, the more they they wanted to prepare healthy foods. And you know, now they fight. We're having a Caesar salad last night, and our two kids, girls, were fighting over who's making the dressing. You know, it, it's not the pre-made stuff; they're making it from scratch, and they both don't need a recipe to make it. But just sort of hands-on
1: in the kitchen, I think,
2: really made a difference in our in our life with the kids and health.
1: And so they saw it, but they also saw what you were hearing or or what it was like to have to have Chris prior to, like, pregame and postgame. And the meals, like, did you feel like you needed to have that, take on that responsibility, or you just were like, well, listen, he'll go to the rink and they'll figure it out for him? For Chris? Yeah. No,
2: I definitely felt I needed to take on that responsibility. Um, We started off, uh, we ate at the same restaurant before and after every single game. Um, I'm going to... See what you ate to hope that's all right, but he'd have a steak, potatoes, Caesar salad, minestrone soup, and a cake before the game. Before the game? Then he'd go home and have a two-hour, three-hour nap and go and play. And, uh, you know, as a career, as your body changes, as the game changed, it got quicker and, you know, getting a little bit older. Uh, I mean, we're still probably 30 at this age, but uh, just changing that, we change quickly to, you know, kale and spinach and salmon you know just lighter foods mm-hmm. to be able
1: to not have that heaviness did you appreciate the knowledge of understanding why you needed to eventually <laughs> switch from <laughs> the steak the potato and the cake uh prior to you? because you had to feel it too your body was changing as you were aging and it, and it made a difference
0: yeah there's a fine line between mm-hmm. appreciating the knowledge <laughs> and messing with superstition so that's, that's uh, yeah. not a easy thing to, uh, to break, but, uh, it actually was more, uh, the, the fettuccine with Alfredo sauce. Oh yes. I forgot that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, you come in and that's what's like on the road, you know, they have all the food laid out for you and that's, what's there and that's what guys ate. And that was, that's what, so that's what you did. Okay.
1: Um, Can I just say though, that's what you ate 20. 10, 15, 20 years ago. Do you th- is that still being served now? Because it just seems like
0: uh,
1: there would be a different plate out for athletes. No, now. there's still really? still
0: lots of pasta. I mm-hmm. mean, more, more red sauce than cream sauce, but it's it's still there. It is. Um, and, uh, you know, guys still, you know, wear it off. But, uh, you know, I, I really found my own energy was... Was way higher when uh, you know I got onto the the rice and salmon uh, and broccoli. That was my my meal, and then salad after. And um, you know, that's boor-
1: quite different. Boring as
0: uh, boring as heck, but uh, <laughs> but felt way better. Um, you know, and and you look, you can look directly at the naps. You know, and when when I first thought, oh, I'm tired, I need to nap for two hours. It was more because I was Tired from the food, and once I changed my diet, then I was sleeping for you know a half hour, um, and and felt way better.
1: Okay, well, I want to kind of go through that. Originally, it was steak, potato, salad, a little pasta with fettuccine and some cake, and and then a, yeah, a two-hour nap.
0: On, pasta and steak, or pasta and yeah, okay, lots of pasta. But
1: then there was that that two-hour nap pre-game. Yes. Swap it out for the broccoli, the salmon's, the healthy grains energy level went up but then that wasn't as long correct do you find that you know you have aaron who's who's been able to study and understand and appreciate it but you had to change that mindset yes there was a superstition as to what you were consuming prior before a game but do you find that it, it helped you that had you not made certain changes that your game might not have progressed and you would have stayed in as long as you did
0: um that that's certainly uh one of the areas i think there was uh, you know multiple but uh um yeah n- no question about it um n- you know especially just as you know metabolism all that kind of stuff changes as you get a little bit older if i would have continued to do that um yeah i probably would have ate myself out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> we're
1: grateful that you didn't. I want to come back. I want to come back to that to that cookbook because it has been a staple for so many families, and it's not just the hockey family. It's, it's the family that's on the go, snacks, pregame uh, meals, being on tournaments on the road. What has the response been from other families who were desperate for something like this? Um, and sometimes we want to be able to provide the right things for our kids. We just we didn't have the know how. Did you get great response for that? Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about writing the book is our feedback was from
2: children quite often. And we really wrote the, the book. I mean, I, I've been a nutritionist for 15 years now. And I, when I speak to parents, they say, yeah, 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 but nothing really changes unless you, you're you struggling with some allergies or certain things that you really need to make the change. I find that you know you get stuck in your busy life and you just grab on the go or whatever. When you speak to kids and explain it to them, they will then say, Mom, I need this, or this is what I want in my lunch, or Dad, can you make us this, whatever. But when you talk to kids, that's when the change really happens. So we brought in 27 NHL guys, some Team Canada women, some hockey players, um, or some figure skaters, and got their favorite recipes. So that sort of got the draw to the kids, and then we spoke directly to them. Um, There's Tarots at the back, which I found shockingly used a lot more than I thought of, you know, mom and dad, this is the shake I want. Chris Phillips or Eric Carlson or whoever we else we had and said, this is what they have before their games. So now they're having shakes and can you buy these, they circle mm-hmm. what they want on it and buy these ingredients. So, you know, the power of using the players and speaking to the kids, I do think it was a, a I mean, we were a national bestseller, but I think the change that really impressed me was
1: the kids pushing it forward. You're gonna have a lot of parents listening to this, so could you come up? I'm gonna put you on the spot too. Like, could you come up with like the top five things that if you could recommend to have on hand, or you know, they're running in from school and they have a quick bite before they're heading out for practice. What are your go-to's? What are your favorites?
2: Um, My favorite is a smoothie. Uh, It's an easy way to hide, you know. What are are
1: you hiding in there?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I hide all kinds of stuff. But uh, even the protein powders, not necessary once they get a little bit older and they need to put on the muscle, we'll add the protein powders and. With those, you now can buy the fish oils in- integrated into it, the greens, you know, all the vitamins. Those all can come now in the protein powder, so you don't even need to slide it all in. But I started off, you know, making them and adding them, and the kids would be, you know, oh, no. And I'm like, no, no, this is what we put in it. So now they put it in themselves. We don't even talk about it. They just add on everything that we put in. Um, so protein... Shakes before after games. Power pucks. Power pucks in my book. Yeah. Everyone those loves are like those. Those little balls, right? No big yeah. energy ball mm-hmm. kind of idea. Um, one big thing that we do is um, we have salad stuff already kind of cut up and made in the fridge. They just have to throw it together. We have protein always ready, extras, you know, like steaks ch- or chicken okay. or salmon in the fridge ready to go. So instead of them running into the pantry where you know a lot of processed stuff might be, they run to the fridge and they can grab stuff ready, you know, ready to go and easy. What would
1: you not find in the house or not find with you? I mean, I know one of the things that, and I remember talking about it, I think on, on the show, was the Gatorades where, where the, the yes. powered <laughs> drinks, those are a no-no.
2: Well, th- we're not big fans of, of that. I think, you know, that's a power of marketing. Um, a lot of kids see the boys on the bench all drinking Gatorade, but half the time they're filled with water or half Gatorade diluted down. And parents think they're doing what the pros do, giving them a Gatorade after. And the amount of, you know, sugar and salt and food coloring that are part of that, we actually have them in our book, How to Make Them Healthier, if that's what you want to do for your kid. Um, most of the time people think that their kids are doing all of this exercise and probably losing all this weight. They hear, you know, some guys lose seven pounds in a game. Well, if you break down your junior kids' hockey, they're maybe playing like 10, 15 minutes on the ice. You know, they're not working as hard as you think they are or putting as much, burning as many calories as mm-hmm. you think they are. So it's not necessary. I mean, practices are probably working harder than in the games. So I, I think it's a mentality of, you know, give them water. And we'd have a whole hydration and sleep thing in there. Make them sleep more. I think a lot of kids aren't sleeping enough.
1: I was always well. so jealous. You had those kids to bed. <laughs> you were pretty strict on bedtime. <laughs> I was alone for a lot of years. <laughs> It, that was your sanity, right? I mean, Chris was on the road for a long time. It was it was getting those kids to bed so that you could finally kind of breathe for yourself.
2: Yes, and we were in hockey, which you weren't. Yeah. So we had 6 a.m. practices every Saturday and Sunday morning. So we'd have to get home early so that they could get up for 5.30 to be on the, or mm-hmm. be at the rink for 5.30. So it kind
1: of helped with the bedtime as well. Yeah.
0: Not to mention they're bears if they don't get any sleep. So. <laughs>
1: but they can sleep. Like I, they can, they can check out and be like, I'm having to get that nap in or do anything. Yeah. It's, it's great that you've been able to instill that, instill that in them. Chris, you're no longer on the ice and getting in these workouts and having to kind of put yourself through this. How is that adjustment? <laughs> You're smiling at me. How is that adjustment? But we weren't going to talk about that. <laughs> How has that adjustment been uh, for you? Uh, you know, you, you had, towards the end of the career, a lot of pretty tough injuries to kind of deal with, but do you find that your body is healing? Do you find, like, where are you at right now with that?
0: Um, it's a work in progress. Okay. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing... Um, coming out of retirement is trying to tell myself that, you know, I don't need to eat those <laughs> game meals anymore. I'm not playing anymore. So I don't need to, uh, you know, I have no idea what the, you know, we never counted calories, but, you know, you I'm, don't I'm, need I'm, as I'm not, many. exactly. I'm not, you know, exercising and, and playing and traveling like I used to be that, uh, you know, it took a week it took a little while to you know remember that i don't need to eat like i used to when i was playing or camp because uh you know i wasn't burning it off um especially because of uh, my back problems that i had that uh, uh really uh, slowed down uh, those intense workouts you know trying to, to get to the gym but you know honestly it's it's not the same and um and you know and, and it, it's uh you know been a bit of a struggle to you know, just motivate myself to get to the gym. Now that it's not part of my job, you know, kind of, you know, question, you know, why do I have to go to the gym today? I'm <laughs> not playing anymore. I don't have to do it. So, uh, to find that motivation, you know, I obviously know it's, uh, um, you know, uh, a healthier lifestyle and and uh, better for my back. And and I have to. You know, I'm slowly getting into that. The back's starting to come around a little bit. But um, you know, if I play. Uh, hockey game uh, alumni game mm-hmm. uh you know I'll, I'll feel it for a few days after
1: do you miss the feeling like do you miss that kind of exhilarated sweat and finish after a good practice or a good game like ha- has you have you found that balance then I, I guess not between mind and body and to where you feel best
0: um yeah I mean I loved you know working out and and leaving it all out on the ice um um working out in the summertime even there was a goal right to, to be the best hockey player that i could be um you know i think i miss the competition uh the most you know going up against the you know some of the best hockey players in the world and you know for my role trying to shut them down um you know i i embrace that challenge i love that challenge and uh you know so not having that uh part in my life that's probably the biggest uh um, adjustment is not having that competition.
1: Have you noticed, like, is there a change? I, you're still active, and I think we've, we've had these discussions, but you kind of need that physical outlet to be able to have everything else function. Has it been an adjustment for you
2: And um, seeing what's
1: happened with Chris? You,
2: you know? know what, I, I think he's playing down the pain of his back. To be honest, I think working out has been pretty frustrating for you because you can't do what he would like to be doing. Mm-hmm. So we're getting there and you're starting to come around, but I think I think you have that same drive and you'll want to do that once it's a little bit easier for you to do.
0: I want to, or you're <laughs> telling me that... Well, maybe I
1: maybe it's a work in progress. <laughs> Are you trying to say, Aaron? Uh, Chris, get your butt in gear? <laughs> I'm used to being with a professional
2: yeah, athlete. Come on, <laughs> now. I didn't sign up for that. No, no, I'm just kidding. I do know that it's a
1: bit more of a struggle than... I think he wants to admit and, and... Like, do you, like, yeah, I'm asking, like, do, like, I know for me, like, when I retired, like, I knew that I was never going to fly through the air the same way ever again, you know, or, or have that feeling of being suspended in the air and flipping and landing. Like, do you, have you gone through the not necessarily the mourning process, but to understand that you will never feel that speed again or that energy or that 20,000 people kind of crowd. Like, do you, do you, do you kind of go through the, the, the sense and the feels of, of what it is that you won't experience again?
0: Um, so, you know, not playing in front of 20,000 people is fine with me. I, I never... I never saw myself as a entertainer. I didn't do things or play for them. Um, you know, they came to watch me and my team, and uh, or the other team, and play the game. But I never saw it as I have to put on a show. I know it's an entertainment business, but for me, it was um, again the game, the competition um, trying to outsmart the other team and outperform them and, um, do what you had to do to win the game. Um, you know, that's the, that's the biggest, uh, part for me that I miss. Um, you know, the, the limelight, all that, um, I'm, um, there's nothing about me that's, you know, missing that part of it, right? I don't need, um, I don't need the attention, the cameras, all that stuff. I never fed off of that. Um, so I'm fine there. Um, you know, the like you said, the, the biggest, maybe the hardest thing was, you know, me now going to play, uh, you know, a pickup game or alumni game. And I'm sure other guys are like, this guy played in the NHL? <laughs> this guy's terrible. <laughs> you know, like, and I know I'm, I'm not there. The speed's not there. A lot to do with my back. But, um, you know, part of that is you know, the NHL is uh it's a it's a fast, hard game it's and a beast now. And uh, you know, you get you know, let alone being injured for a couple of months, you feel like you're not there, but now I'm three years removed from not playing at that pace and practicing at that pace. Um um uh, you know, people say, Oh, we could really use you. <laughs> no you <laughs> you know, if you saw me play you really could not use me at all. But uh um yeah, that's that's probably the hardest part is realizing you know I'm, yeah. I'm not that guy anymore
1: but you're you're great for the beer league i mean do you bring the, your own beer i mean let's go i mean big <laughs> rig has been a nice passion it has been a nice kind of way to step out and and, and have another passion with with your beer and your brewing and the hops and like how yeah. is that like how how has the energy shifted from being dedicated to one thing to now kind of looking at other things
2: I can say that the yeah. his the teams that Ben and Zoe play love it way more when Chris goes on the road trips and tournaments away because he brings <laughs> a lot more beer than I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, Big Orange is uh, my cooler has its own nickname now. Does, so eh? yeah, so the other parents are uh, are asking me if Big Orange is coming on the road trip. So so they prefer uh, when Chris comes uh, than you do. Yeah. So they've uh, yeah they've they've enjoyed that part and um, you know. uh, You know, things fell into place, things have worked out, but having something um, there and uh, already involved in uh, once uh, hockey was done, um, you know, was really a blessing in disguise. It was not meant to, you know, be a retirement project, but it's certainly, uh, you know, been sitting there, you know, for when hockey was done to be a little bit more involved and uh, have a place to go, and um, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Do you think Bigger is <laughs> going to take off the way it
2: did? Um, I think for me, I always worried. As a hockey wife, you worry from th- the day you start into that world about retirement. You worry about the depression. You worry about how they're going to – I don't know. It's, it's just a constant worry as a hockey wife. How, you worry about trades and how you're going to handle your family and do it all by yourself. But the other main worry, and I think was a bigger worry, is retirement. You hear guys struggle with depression. You hear – you know, the feeling lost, you you just hear so much stuff. So I will say that I kind of hoped and dreamed and I think helped try to put Big Rig in there as a retirement plan. Um, also, we've been sort of flipping houses and Chris has been doing the work. So we, we had things lined up and passions. I think one of the biggest things that helped you get over it is hockey was his job, where it wasn't his life, it wasn't his only passion.
1: He has so much so many things that interest you, and so much... And yeah, Well, you could come home from the rink or come home from the game and go downstairs and build. I mean, I remember you building bars and, and cabinets. Like, I mean, there, was, there were other things that you engulfed yourself in, I think. And I think that's why you were also so well-liked and so well-moving from so many different groups of people because you were able to fit in and talk and have passions and be up-to-date with so many other things outside of the rink.
0: Well, that that certainly helped, and I think a big factor of that was... was
1: Erin's uh, social yeah, uh, <laughs> network.
0: Yeah, but just her, you know, being in her hometown mm-hmm. and, um, you know, being with her, you know, I was, you know, sort of by default had all these people away from hockey that, that we um, met and became friends. Um, a lot of guys don't have that. A lot of guys you know, they just have the team and that's all. And, um, I don't want to say there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I certainly, uh, you know, enjoyed having, I guess, another life outside of the rink. And, you know, I was never, you know, a huge, uh, you know, I didn't read the papers. I didn't listen to the radio. I, I often didn't watch hockey on TV. I was, I went and, and, uh. You know did everything I could to help the team win um but when I left the rink I was you know would come home and you know that was what having kids was so great about too you know you you know after a bad game they come home and be like you know dad changed my diaper like it was you know what I mean you, you forget about hockey in a, in a hurry once you have kids but um you know just the, the network of people that we have outside the game has been um You know, incredible for
1: me. It's been remarkable to see, and I think why you became so integral into the 20 years that you guys, you know, were part of the organization and the team and life here in the city. And then you would probably come home and ask Erin what job it was that she was doing that day, because she's gone through a number of different ones. Uh, And then, of course, you had the nutrition. And I know that you know, anytime you go, this is my. Can I tell this story? It's my favorite part. (laughs) I don't know what Um, you're telling. No, when you know when you have to fill out your occupation, like on a form. (laughs) When you're traveling, yeah, we that put was in, my job. Yeah, yeah, your job was pretty interesting, but then you would start to put down his oh, yeah, job. Would, yeah. yeah, his I job would, was putting mine down. Yeah, he I would about fill him them out for Aaron. Yes, yeah. and Aaron's Aaron's title would often be best-selling author.
0: There was, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was author, um, nutritionist, um, now realtor. Now realtor. Um,
1: so let's kind of go into this. It's it's almost like you were home and you you had things on the side. You took and you helped raise. The these three amazing kids but now it's almost like your time kind of swapping it, right? So what are you up to now? I mean what is it that kind of gets you motivated and out the door in the morning? So I am working
2: for Royal Page um, as a realtor. I started a year and a half ago and I grew up digging foundations in a backhoe, pulling wire, um, renovating everything, helping my dad out on all. He was a developer and uh, electrician by trade. So my love for housing and construction and all that started at a young age. I think I always knew I would do this industry, but I needed to be able to work nights and weekends. So, I guess the last year Chris was playing, I went back to school um, for
1: real estate and uh, now I get to do what I love. I'm having a great time with it. And she's out at nights and she's out kind of making the deals and being able to have that opportunity and you have maintained your relationship with the Senators. And so a lot of people aren't really aware. You're still very much involved with what's going on with the team.
0: Yeah, on the uh, business side, mm-hmm. not on not on the hockey side. Um, my uh, business card says uh, director of uh, community and business development. Um, that translates into uh, um, kind of being out and an ambassador for the team and uh, working with the Learn to Play program um, for uh, introducing kids to hockey. Uh, it's a great program. Um, I am, uh, you know, at a lot of uh, rink openings and ribbon cuttings and, um, you know, getting to meet, uh, you know, some of the sponsors and partners of the team and uh, mingling with them. And, um, yeah, it's it's been fun. It's, uh, it's been great that, you know, I have a pass to, to get me to the rink and I can still go in and, um, you know, have coffee with the guys, but just to, to feel, uh, you know, a, a part of it as well.
1: It's been wonderful to have you guys here, and I know that there are so many other future projects and things that are uh, that are underway. Uh, Aaron, people can find you if they're going, okay, I like this girl. I'm going to kind of <laughs> go, Yeah. Okay, and then they can find you. I like the title, Com- Director of Community and...
0: Business Development. Business
1: Development. And any final thoughts in this? Just one piece of advice, if you can, for any young child out there uh, looking to pursue their dreams, what would it
0: be? Um... I would take the advice that I had growing up, but you know, enjoy it. Um, just have fun. Um, as, as a kid, there's so many uh, pressures on on succeeding, on being the best, on being the highest level, and uh, and I don't think you have to do that to get to the highest level or to achieve your your goals or your dreams. Um, you know, you can play you know house league hockey you can play lower levels and still make the nhl you don't have to be on the triple a you don't have to worry about how many letters are on your jacket just enjoy the game and as long as you're having fun as you will get older you will want to get better on your own merits because you enjoy it so much so take the pressures out Uh, i encourage parents to take pressure off kids and just let them have the best experience they can
2: Giving you not I agree. I think that's great. Uh, we do see a lot of parents pushing and pushing and you even hear kids pushing back and you think, oh gosh, just let them, this is their time, not yours. Mm-hmm. So let them enjoy it and sit back and be proud of the kid they are out there, giving it their all. We're uh, we're pretty blessed to be able to watch our kids, well, really all day. <laughs> we can pretty much find them at any school event today. Our daughter's playing volleyball and we rushed out there before here to watch one of our games in the morning. Um, But really just watching them love what they're doing and being active and healthy is our
1: whole basis of Be present. Be present. Be present. It's a good way of looking at it. And I know Chris would finish by saying, dream big. (laughs) Dream big. Dream big. Dream bigger. I love it. Thank you so much, guys. It was great to have you here. Thank you. Thank
0: you.
2: Come on a journey like no other